0: You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. And all that winners is gold. Only shooting stars break the mold. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for Super Coach TLT Round 8. Tough couple weeks for me, as you probably heard, because I was pretty... Six eight on the last podcast. I'm all recovered, which is great. Thank you for the well wishes. And we will be back into the Talk and Footy podcast for sure this week. Cannot wait. There is so much to talk about in rugby league. There is so much to talk about in Super Coach. Supercoach tonight though, TLT round eight. Let's start off with our guest, which is Mikey from the Super Coach Experience Show. Michael Attard, mate, welcome aboard. You came on the preseason podcast, I think, for the Panthers, which was great to have you on, but good to have you on during the season. You super coach experienced boys are going great guns as well, which is fantastic to see. I think you're all ranked like uh, crazy ranks, he's better than mine, so you're all on fire at the moment.
1: Yeah, thanks, Barnsley. It's good to be back on. Uh, yeah, obviously, we did the Panthers thing. And um, yeah, it's good to make my debut in the proper round competition of the Supercoach. So uh, that was a really long chat. So it seems like we bounce off each other. And I feel like I've come in for the perfect round. But yeah, all the boys are, are killing it. Uh, four of us are in the top 2K. And then Timmy's just outside in the top 3K. So uh, we had a good year last year. And yeah, we're bringing in the form. So I guess it's nice when everyone in the podcast is doing well. Um They're my biggest competition. eh? We're all very competitive us boys. So it's more so who can rank higher than the other one. So I guess that might be also why we seem to do so well. Just we ramp each other up.
0: Makes it a bit tough though, because you all know what each other are doing as well. (laughs) Talking about another podcast.
1: Yeah. That's why sometimes you've got to keep your cards close to your chest and that, yeah, usually we just tell each other all our secrets. I know Timmy's pretty
0: secretive, (laughs) especially on his uh, championship run a couple of years ago. We had him on a couple of times on this podcast and, uh, Tim Moody did well taking it out, but he uh, he kept his cards pretty close to his, te- his chest, which was pretty smart of him. Um, I think he does it on your podcast a little bit too, actually.
1: Yeah, he does. And why would you change something that's working so well? So, um, yeah, hats off to him. He's He's got an incredible brain for Supercoach.
0: He sure does. Uh, but all you boys are going great. And for this podcast, for everyone listening, if you're listening for the first time, this is a Supercoach-only podcast. Hits every Wednesday for the TLT Uh, We also have the Talking Footy podcast, which I mentioned, that is Talking Rugby League Only, which normally hits late on a Thursday, occasionally a Friday. So you can hear that one at the end of the week as well. But for this one for TLT, we are going to start off with our Clint Eastwood segment, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, and have a look at our teams for the week. i tell you what, Mikey, it was one of those weeks where it was just terrible for everyone, I think. We're going to go through the scores in a little bit more detail in a minute. But as far as teams go, like... (laughs) If you hit a 1,000 this week, you actually did pretty well. So I think there wasn't too many good things for people to pick out of their sides. When I'm looking at my good, uh, I made a move to get Ryan Madison in. And it's, it's somebody who I've been watching earmarked as soon as he starts playing and I wanted to look at because obviously there's been a lot of good cows you could stack your second row with and good mid cows that you could stack your second row with. And we need to move them out. And it's been one of those years too where... I guess the premium guns haven't really fired as much. I've already got Fafita there. Cam Murray has been a bit up and down. Keon Tongue, you got pretty expensive. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where Matto's always been good to me in the past until he gets knocked out. So <laughs> I went, I, I, I want him. And I thought that he could get some attack against the Bulldogs as well, because he's done that before quite a bit against his dogs um, matchups. So, Got him in, obviously paid for him pretty heavily, but eighty nine points. Uh, I was super happy with it, and he did get his clutch attack. So that was my good news story for my team for this week. Yeah,
1: you nice. Know, so my, I guess my good one is like you said, Barnsley, I don't really have too much good that happened in my team. I only scored a thousand and I think eighteen or thirty or something like that. But um, yeah, saw me drop four hundred spots, but. there there wasn't much right for this week there was a lot of low scoring players a lot of the big guys that have been doing so well went really average probably just two of my broncos pretty boring but you know reese walsh continues to do a job for me and it's like when's he gonna drop off when do you sell is he a keeper and i guess just sticking the faith with him for now realistically with the price that i bought him in at to what he is now like he was my top scorer for the week and Payne hard just keeps doing a job for that premium price um so, yeah, they're, they're probably my two good things where realistically everyone else went average or bad.
0: Yeah, it was probably the toughest round of the year, I think, um, relatively considering we're yeah, so far into the competition. The bad for my team, uh, Bryce Cartwright, I've been a big fan of this year. Look, one of those things that I kind of lucked into, and some of these decisions are pure luck, especially when you're coming in to round one, you have to make these, these type of decisions. And I made the good decision of going, I don't believe in Dory, I believe in Cardi. I'm going the Cardi party. And he's been consistently 50s and 60s all season, which has been good. And I've started playing him the last few weeks and it's been quite solid. But this week I had him playing. He was obviously the last game of the round, Mikey. And I had no one else to put in for him and he ended up getting benched. So it was a bit of a tough pill to swallow. 34 points. So actually worked out okay, everything considered. He still played 52 odd minutes. So it worked out all right, but it wasn't good. So I'm certainly going to put that one down to bad, especially when I was so stuck because I could have made obviously other reserve moves if if I'd known earlier in the week that it was going to happen.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm also a Cardi owner. He's been great with the money that he's made so far. And well, luckily, didn't play him. But with his break even and stuff and scoring 34, I'm not too worried about that off the bench. Like, yeah, you're probably going to need to move him on. But yet again, he sees a reasonable break even. So, Although it might have been a bad play, realistically, right now we're still sitting at a profit of two hundred and ten k. So I think it's a, not a bad spot to be in with him.
0: Oh, I love you seeing a silver lining in my bad one. That's great. Build <laughs> me up a little bit. What about you, mate? What was your bad for the week?
1: Yeah, I think my bad one is like a lot of us. Um, guess he could. He's floating in the middle of the bad and the ugly. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go bad because I've got an even uglier one for my team. But Harry Grant for thirty one. Um, Oh, this game was a oh, it was a tough game to watch personally. From my mind, I heard some people saying this game was awesome. Oh, it was too much stop start, and it was it was a really crazy game, and that resulted in you know not good for the Melbourne Storm and for a lot of the, these popular players for scoring. So, yeah, Harry Grant's thirty one was pretty bad, and I'd partner him up with Valentine Holmes, who only scored forty six against his matchup with a try. I think that's that's pretty bad in my opinion. Where forty six isn't that bad, but for the price point. And with a try. Um, yeah, very disappointing. I
0: forgot he got a try when I saw his 46. That is pretty bad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. From a kick, still, you'd expect with at least a 60. But, mm.
0: eh. well, oh. there is par- far uglier. I reckon your ugly's is going to be the same as mine. <laughs> Jacob Kraz, yeah. am I guessing you're right? Yeah, yep,
1: yeah, yep. Yeah. I'm the same boat.
0: Yeah, mate, six points. Oh, look, I think the, the positive thing when, when this happens, like you feel really bad about it, but when a tire owned guy's you kind of have a little bit of relief on it. I think the problem with Karazi is like, it's so ugly because there was still so many teams that were scrambling to get him in and deciding whether they were going to believe in him or not, or he'd gotten too expensive. So you really had the upper hand on, on a lot of teams because... Many of them weren't going to pay that type of money in the seven hundreds for him, and he'd already shown that he could be one of the top few center wings in the league quite easily. And he had some pretty good matchups coming in. I, I had high expectations for Parramatta game. I, I thought he could have scored a try for sure, and probably ended up at a eighty plus at a minimum type of score. So twenty two percent ownership. Uh, it's a lot higher in the top sort of one uh, k. I think it was something like more like forty two or forty eight percent between that range. But it's still one of those ones where. Yeah, it sort of doesn't stink quite as much as a 3% pod, but it's not like he was, you know, a 60% on Cleary or something like that. So it still hurts a fair bit, but still pretty ugly looking at that six.
1: It stings because of his break-even too. He had a high break-even. You took the risk going, yep, I think he can score a 70 and 80 and he's produced pretty keeper score. So you're like, yep, I can take the small drop if he'll get it back. But to now be in a position where he's injured for three weeks and he's now dropped, like, what was it, between 80 and 90K – that just makes it sting a lot more. Yes, there's plenty of options. I guess on the upside, there are plenty of options. And this week, I think we're spoiled for choice. We've like, you know, realistically, I wasn't going to move him on. But now that I get to move him on, I guess the positive is there are some guys I've been really wanting in the center wing. So I guess that's my silver lining to the ugly there.
0: Yeah. And look, he's there's some great options this week, which we're going to talk about soon. So that's probably the only positive out of it. But you're right, you know, 80k drop. Pretty ugly. I did a trade today where I was really happy with the two guys coming in. and I was seventeen thousand dollars short, and I just was staring at Carras just going, "Could oh, you man. not have get, got injured five minutes later?" Like, it just it would have probably given me my seventeen thousand. Yeah, dollars
1: or out. at the end of the game after we scored a try, <laughs> or at the end yeah. of the game it would have been even better. Right.
0: Yeah, uh, the early game injuries just kill you. But anyway, let's let's have a look at the round a little bit more. Um, so when we're having a look at the players for the round, like we said that the round pretty much stunk. It tells a story when you're just looking at the top scores for the round, right? We only had five scores that were a hundred plus and the top score was 121 with Latrell Mitchell, but he's had sensational back-to-back weeks. The other scores though were a hundred to 106 range in the top 5 so really low tons. And one of them was Blake Braley, who you may as well throw out the window because he's 1.5% owned and daily Terry Evans, 4.3% owned is pretty low too. So we talked about the couple of weeks before Mikey on the podcast how the big guns have really started to fire and we're starting to get those big tons. We we got you know five odd uh, 120 pluses a week before last and it was starting to fire. We we're always getting 10 plus 100 pluses the last few weeks. This week, back down to earth and the top two scorers, even though Luttrell and Cody are popular, they're still only 13 and 15 percent owned, so they're not that popular. So, really, Reese Walsh was the only guy that came through this week, and he actually updated to 101. He was on, like, 95, I'm pretty sure. And then that last update got him across the line. So, real low-scoring week when you're having a look at the tons.
1: Yeah, 100%, especially, in you know, in Walsh's case. Like, most of those points were scored in the final 15 minutes with good old Walsh style. But um, crazy that Mitchell and uh, Walker uh, are both at those kind of numbers, like, percentage-wise. Yeah, their run gets a bit tougher for him, but... Yeah, it was definitely a low-scoring week, and I guess all the people that are a bit hurt by the week, you know, um, to me looks like a big week ahead. Point wise, so get ready, get set up for it, and I reckon this will be a high-scoring round. Just looking at it early.
0: Yeah, I think it will too. And like when you keep when you look even further into this last round, it really is an anomaly. Like you you go down the list of the other non-hundred pluses, and like the sixth best score was a Will Pennacini who's on a ninety-eight. I actually quite like Pennacini as a bit of a buy round cover guy and someone that can go on a bit of a pod run. But at the same time, he's never scored 100 in his life and he got a 98. Tao uh, Tao Moga as number seven on a 98 as well. Um, Adam Reynolds, yeah, you can take a big score of 91 from him, but then eight can comes in at 91 and, and Hines rounds out the top 10 with an 89. eight can again, 1.3% owned. He's not done much all year and he throws out a 91-point. Classy performances, you know, looking like one of the best centre-wing options out there it was just one of those weeks. So I reckon that you probably just throw this last week in the trash can and just go bang. We're back on it this week Uh, because I thought, you know, you mentioned it a little bit, that Manly game was real stop start. And there was a couple of other games as well that were highly penalised games. I don't want to mention roosters because people say I'm being biased, but geez, there was a million penalties in that game. And then there was a lot of other ones yeah. that had each of the sin bins and stuff too. I think we had seven sin bins over the weekend or something like that. Yeah, you know, it, it was just one of those rounds where the refs and the players didn't really help us. But I think that this round eight looks a bit better. How do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, there's some really good matchups. I think there's some matchups for like for super coach players as well. Um, some I think will resurrect. Um, the big thing that I like to look at is, you know, break-evens aren't everything all the time. And I think there's some really good plays this round, which we'll cover with high break-evens that I think are going to beat that or are still worthy purchases. So it's it's an interesting round ahead. I think tipping-wise, I definitely think there'll be a few upsets in this round, which also, you know, merits in how you think about which plays to get and who to reserve this week. But yeah, it's, it's the Anzac round. Players rise for this one. So... I think it's going to be a big one, and I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this round as an NRL fan and Supercoach fan.
0: Yeah, I'm the same. And I'll just say outright, I think Parramatta at, like, $2.76 or something odds to win this week. Crazy odds. That's... Yeah, well,
1: definitely one of the upsets I'll be tipping this week.
0: Yep. Strategy chat. So strategy segment for this week, it's something that I thought about myself because I've been thinking the last two weeks, Barnsley, you've got to start looking at that big buy round in round 13. So I think that a lot of teams at the moment, Mikey, are getting pretty thin in their depth. I think, you know, even teams that started off with good intentions, like I started off going, you know, I I want 25 guys that are playing. I want to have depth and I want to make sure that I've got enough guys I can throw in if I need to, because these every round buyers are really going to throw us uh, really down the toilet in the ranks. If you're not prepared to be able to get guys in when, when people get injured or knocked out and stuff. But We've gotten to a point now where I'm starting to look at that round 13 buy going, I'm in a bit of trouble here um, because I've started to use a lot of boosts and I think everyone has. And I do like that strategy, but this strategy chat is about that big buy round, but buys in particular. You know, we're coming up to that origin period with buys all the way through it, as well as the big buy rounds. How early should we be preparing for that? So, I mean, we're going to go through a few different key points, but just generally like your thoughts on it. Have you started thinking about that round 13 by round? Have you started looking at players edging towards that? Of
1: course, like 100%. I've been thinking about it on most weeks. So, like, example, when you go for a 5-8, you know, Dylan Brown, when I brought him in a couple of weeks ago, that was my thought process. All right, I need to target a second rower. Madison's on my watch list for that because if I'm – Juggling between a couple of guys. I know it's early out, and a lot of the time you get burns with an unlucky HIA, but you've still got a kind of plan. So for example, in my trade this week, too, I was heavily thinking about the buys. And I'm sitting at about I'm sitting at 10 players currently for 13, but that includes Reese Walsh, who I believe will probably get selected in that Queensland side. So I feel like anywhere, I think you want to have around eight roughly, but it's a lot different this year. And I think the one important thing that I actually didn't notice till earlier this week is that for all the key buy rounds, which is 13, 16, 19, there's actually five games instead of four. We're used to having eight teams play. There's actually going to be 10, which, you know, I didn't think would make much of a difference, but that's an extra two teams that are available for each buy than what we're used to. Yes, that creates a bit more of an anomaly of 14 and 17 and makes a couple of those other rounds a bit harder, but I think that's an important thing to note there too, and we only have to have 13 players fill the park, so... My strategy is going to be to try and get 15, and that way that gives me a bit of errors if I have two, you know, crappy picks that just go crap. Or you have someone like, I know Warbrick's not playing, but he's got a 10 in him. So having, you know, a 14th or 15th man can come in handy for this 13-player tactic that we're not used to.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I'm looking at it pretty hard now. And you raise a really good point that it's got some extra teams, so there's some extra players involved that you can actually choose from, which makes it a bit easier. It certainly does. Uh, one thing that's key to point out to people though is that in prior years, although not last year when we had the boost, um, in prior years you had these big these uh, big rounds of trades where you could do like five or even back in the day, I think we used to have six uh, in a big buy round where you could just go nuts and uh, it's still going to Eat into your trades, obviously, that you have total for the season, but you can make bulk changes at once. Now, you don't get that anymore. You've just got your boosts that you can use. And if you go through those boosts, it means that you really have to build up gradually. I think in the past, and certainly it's an old strategy, five, six years ago, people would sort of go, I'm just going to smash through my trades in in the fortnight leading up to it uh, to get to sort of a dozen runners at a minimum. And that's fine. And you could do that because you had that, you know, five trade round that you could do it in. You have to do it real gradual now. And it's going to catch you out because we're up to round eight now. Round thirteen isn't too far away. I think you really need to gradually do it over the next four or five weeks because if you don't, you could get found out. And the other thing too, Mikey, is one of the things that I look at is how many players do I actually have that are playing round 13 at the moment. I didn't have many. And then I looked at how many popular players are playing round 13. There isn't that many. So I think, you know, teams could get caught with their pants down. And that also provides opportunity because if you can stop yourself from getting your pants pulled down now by starting to plan a little bit, you can actually get a really good jump on round 13, maybe even more than other seasons. Because even though it's been made a little bit easier in a couple of ways, uh, it's a round where there isn't heaps of highly owned guys that are going to be playing it. There isn't heaps of popular guys. Even though there's extra teams, there isn't a lot of the best teams playing and that's going to work in your favor i think so uh interesting um but you know for you you think that you're just going to gradually go each week and kind of bring in a couple of guys for a month of at a time just to make sure that you um, have enough in there for what you're aiming for with your 15
1: yeah 100 percent. i think the main thing too is obviously take one at a time but kind of look one step ahead if you can but sit down and go, okay, what are the main players that I need? Okay, I'm going to need one of Cody Walker or Dylan Brown. Okay, I'm going to need Ruben Garrick no matter what. I'm going to need Ryan Madison. And then you've got to, I've been kind of just shifting plans and doing trades to make money and making sure, take a cheapie where I can that plays the buy. If I think his job security is good and at the same time, ensure I've got a way to get that other person and people to sell. And that's what I've slowly been doing, um, you know, ticking one off the list. Like as long as I'm slowly ticking things off, if I can get closer to that 13 and not need to use a boost, it'd be great. I'm using a boost this week. I'm only left with two, which I know I have to use for buy rounds. So it just means I have to do one buy round without a boost. And if I'm really prepared for this first one, I might be able to do that. So it's going to be interesting because at the same time, you know, the round after there's going to be restings and there's not just one team on the buy in 14. I'm pretty sure there's three. So you're going to also have to look ahead at that. But I think the main thing is, yeah, I'm just trying to get over the first speed bump and then just kind of work on the fly. But, yeah, narrow down who you need. But as you said before, Barnsley, there's, there's quite a few pods that you could target, but we've got a, quite a few trades to go through here, but I think you've got to you've got to target the ones that are going to make the most sense.
0: Yeah, and look, you, you raised a really good point for people to remember too. You know, the round 14, you're going to have Newcastle, Parramatta and Manly on the buy. Newcastle, Parramatta, and Manly all play around 13. So if you load up on too many Eels players, you're going to get caught out in round 14 really badly. Uh, and likewise, obviously, with all the others, you can probably only afford, uh, you know, de- depending on your squad depth, maybe half a dozen between those three teams. Uh, and that makes it really hard too, because I think in prior years, I'd certainly do this. I'd go, well, look, I don't like some of these teams. So I don't really want players from these teams, but I like the Eels, for example. So I want to get like five eels. I like Manly. I'll get like four four Manly players. You do that now, you're dead. You're toast. Um, you can't do it. It's
1: hard because Parramatta have all three main buyers they're playing. So at the same time, you want a strategy where you can at least have a minimum of three because they provide your coverage over three. It, always, it takes you back to the old days because every time we are playing Supercoach in the past, Parramatta would always have the free buy rounds off. bit so <laughs> a, a,
0: yeah.
1: a bit A bit of nostalgia there going back to that. And there's always quite a few relevant players. So it's 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 a good point you make. But if you stack too many, you're going to be in trouble. And there's quite a few many players you could target too. So maybe you're going to have to use boosts to help you through 14. So, yeah, I think if you're sitting with three or more boosts, it would be, be practical just because last year we learned that burning through boost early could actually help you rather than later. So it's going to be very interesting. I think you can make up some ranked numbers uh, over these rounds.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the boost strategy part of it. So with the boost, I think that there's a few different ways that you can use them. I certainly think that you can use them leading into the buy, And I'm probably going to end up doing that just because, I think, and you kind of mentioned putting down the players that you must have and that you think that you need in a certain position. I always write a list, of, a long list of all the players that are remote, like even remotely relevant that I may consider, all the way up until must haves. And then I see what's there, and I kind of, you know, highlight the ones that I definitely want. You sort of work your way down from there. But when you're doing that. You obviously need to look at the opportune time to get them in. So certainly one strategy is not even using a boost at that buy-around, using it beforehand because you can probably target guys at better times leaning up to it. Raiders are a good example. There's a couple of Raiders players that I'm interested in. Uh, and really, it's only two because there's not many others that I like. It's not a great 2 big coach team, but there is a couple. Uh, one of them's Hudson Young, who I'll look at next week. Is a good time to start to look at these guys because you know they're kind of bottomed out a bit. They've got a better draw. There's no reason why you know boosting now instead of then is going to be a bad thing if it's going to give you points now too rather than just in the buy round. So it is certainly a strategy. Obviously, the risk there is going to be. If you're getting in players you know this far out from that buy, they could get selected for origin. Um, in Hudson Young's case, you know, we might get three back rowers injured, then all of a sudden he's in the squad. Uh, they might get injured, they might get suspended. All that stuff's going to happen at a much higher rate with as many weeks as we have now leading into the buy. It can happen a lot more. But that's one strategy, Mikey. The other one is to try and conserve your boosts and then boost for the two weeks, including the buy round of round 13, but also round 12. So you can lead into it really well. That's another way to do it. But something that I think teams need to consider is if you do that first tactic of boosting earlier, if you're already burning through your boosts, uh, you might be in trouble because another tactic is going to be, you know what? Some smart coacher is going to go, my strategy for this is actually going to be not to use as many boosts early as what all these other teams are. Because I'm not only going to use the boost going into that buy round, I'm going to boost when I come out of it in round 14. Because heaps of teams are going to get caught out then. And I want to make sure I can make three trades then. So all of a sudden, if you use three of your boosts already and go, you know, I'm going to leave two for two major buy rounds, you're going to get to round 14 and be in a bit of strife. Whereas if you leave yourself that extra one, you know, that strategy could really pay off because you can use a boost in 13 and 14. And 14 is going to low key be an almost a a big buy round because you're going to be able to catch a lot of teams up in that round as well.
1: Yeah, it's a a very good point with that last strategy you said. I think the combat to that, which is something I'm looking at doing, is ensure you're prepared and if you're boosting now, like this week or in the past previous ones, make sure it's still going towards that plan and have the buy in mind. Because if you're using that now to get some key players that are going to score points and also play that buy round that you hope, then that can kind of combat you not having to use as many boosts around there. Realistically, if you get to that round and you've got 13 or 14 players, with making the two trades and bang, you can save your boost to come out of it. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see how it goes and buy times are stressful, but some of my favorite times because it's sometimes it weeds, weeds a crop a little bit and you can time where you can stand out and make up some ground no matter what position you're in.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like not to disrespect some, some of the teams of the week, but you're sitting at like 40,000 or something and you need some motivation. Have a look at some of these teams of the week. Like some of these teams have got like 18 runners and they've just played 17 of them. They're going to get to these buy rounds and also round 14 where you know, it's a big buy and they're going to have like four players. And then round 14, they're going to have 14 players or something. You know, you can you can smash some of these teams that are ranked in the top 1,000 and, and even top few hundred that are just not built for that depth and not built for the buys. So you've got to keep your head up with that. But other combat strategy for this buy round as well, Mikey, that we should touch on is... I've mentioned teams are going to struggle in round 14 as well. I've mentioned teams probably need to are going to have to use boosts then or they're going to be short. One way to make sure that doesn't happen is to make sure that you've got 25 runners, that you've got 25 guys that you can put in and out of your side. And you mentioned part of this strategy when you said, I want to get cheapies in that I I think are going to play the buy round or play through that period. If you can get guys in at the moment that are going to play and be a cheapie downgrade, make sure you're doing that rather than getting enough in, because I've seen some teams going for the enough strategy. And for those that don't know, the enough strategy is getting somebody who's just not playing at all, maybe a dual one so you can move them around so you can loop every week with someone um, easier. It's it's a strategy that's been tried and tested forever until now, because we've got buys every week and these other buy rounds are going to be hard. So you're always better off. I think at the moment, even if it's like twenty thousand extra, thirty thousand extra than a bottom dollar guy, paying for that guy that you know could actually be playing through that origin period, because origin players get ruled out all the time, Mikey. Right? I mean, that's the other thing too. You've, you've got this origin period around fourteen. We're talking about these three big buy teams that that aren't going to play at all. You might have all these origin players not play. You might have these origin guys get injured, and then all of a sudden, you've got three buy teams with injuries out uh, with, with buys all out of your side, but all these other players with injuries from from the origin period or resting and stuff like that as well, right? So depth, depth could be the biggest part of this strategy for these big buy rounds this year.
1: you got to have depth. There's there's no way around it. You hit the nail on the head there. And the origin time is a bit scary this year because Blues lost when you probably think their team should have won with the quality in their team. Nothing against Queensland, but, you know, this Blues team was capable of winning. Uh, Jack Wynan's come out and he's not going to play Origin anymore. And you've got all these injuries to Martin. Colin and might have been there, he's injured. And maybe Brad Fittler hits a panic button and makes a host of number of changes and could be after a guy. You mentioned Hudson Young before, who I've also been looking at. All of a sudden, he gets picked and all this planning that you've done before and can go out the window, which it quite commonly does. So that's also sometimes why, as well as planning, you've got to think about the points in mind too that you're going to score each week because if you think a move is also right for that stage and it might not be amazing for the buyers, you should still not overlook that idea.
0: Other question as well. We've talked a lot about buying in this strategy chat for the big buy round around 13. How about selling? Because one of the other big factors is when do you sell some of these origin players or do you hold them? And one popular one at the moment to get rid of has been Harry Grant lately. You mentioned he scored 31 points. On the weekend, he hasn't been that great for a few weeks, and teams are actually starting to get off him. Do you think that now is too early to be doing that? Because obviously, the risk of it, Mikey, is that guys like Harry Grant or Munster they do have a couple of buys, um, including the big buy round, but also uh, shortly, Melbourne Stormer got their weekly buys too. But in saying that, they're, they're premium options, right? They're elite in SuperCoach. So if you sell them too early, then you're going to miss out on the potential big scores. But at the same time, over that origin period, you just can't hold all of them if, you play, if you're going to play those you know, big buy rounds. So for you, like, when do you sort of look at these guys to sell with these origin players? Do you look at an opportune time around now that we're hitting round date? or do you kind of wait a bit closer to the origin period to start cashing these guys out to trade back in later? Mm-hmm.
1: A bit closer to that point, we saw it happen early with Nathan Cleary, and like he didn't score very well round one, round two, when he come back. And you know these big players are at that price, and they're big players for a reason. So they're they've got a high chance of biting you, you know, biting your butt side. So, literally, with for example with Harry Grant, there's no way like yeah, maybe he could be a sell, but if I can find a strategy where I can hold him, and I was talking about it in our podcast today, like he doesn't have Brandon Smith on that bench anymore. The Storm aren't as flying as what they normally are. There's a good chance he probably won't get rested if he's fit because he's going to be a play origin. He'll have a utility on the bench, probably Ben Hunt, that will spell some time. I reckon there'll be instances where they can't afford to to sell him. And then you mentioned the Melbourne storm they They've got quite a few buys coming up, but they're also one of the first team to finish their buys and you're going to have to bring him back. Um, so it's like, you just got to weigh up, you know, is it worth holding the trade or not? But the way I look at it is try and hold some of these guys if I can. Yeah. I'm not too worried about the 30 and stuff like that. It sucks, but i have a look at that game of footy that I watch on the weekend. and I go, nah, might just be an anomaly. So Harry Grant's too scary not to own for me. He's one guy that, you know, I've got to just try and hold him there, but Obviously, you've got to have a look. You can't keep all of them. If you've got six or seven origin players, you're probably going to have to say goodbye to a couple of them if you can.
0: A hundred percent you will. Uh, You won't be able to play the big buys and the, the insuring buys after the big buy rounds without getting rid of some origin players. I think one of the most important things for me when I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it right now is what position they play. And that's key. Someone like Grant's a great example. You know, the the real downside for that is that Hooker just sucks as a super coach position at the moment. It's just not a good one. It hasn't been for many years, to be honest. It doesn't have much depth. So you have to look at it as, as in, I have to start this Hooker every single week because most teams only have one real startable Hooker. And, you know, if I don't have Grant and I want to go for that buy round and I want to have someone in the big buy round playing, like, who am I going for? Because your options are... are cut by like 66% on the teams that are going to be playing that big buy-around, and then you're going to carry the point scoring in that position that you have to start that guy every single weekend from now for a month of footy. It's really hard at somewhere like Hooker, whereas if you've got somewhere like second row, you know, someone like Cam Murray is just an example. Cam Murray, you can make up those points with another gun second row pretty easily. Um, It's also a point where if you downgrade to someone that might be playable some weeks, but maybe not every week. You've got a big rotation of second row as you can have, so it's not as critical as somewhere like Hooker. So it's a lot easier to jump off a Cam Murray or a second row origin representative a bit earlier on. Uh, at, at the same time, somewhere like 5'8, obviously there's not a lot of good 5'8s, but what you can do though, there is the difference between 5'8 and Hooker is what is the drop off in quality between Grant to a uh, Jeremy Marshall King for instead of, you know, maybe going a Munster to a Dylan Brown. You know, Dylan Brown can match Munster over a couple of month period. He was actually right up there last year as some of the best 5'8s. And he's an option that's going to be playing that bye round where you're not going to lose out on points potentially if you just get him instead. Uh, whereas with you know the hooker example, you are going to lose out on points probably. So I think that the position really comes becomes really important. Obviously, center wing, Mikey, that's a real easy one. Get rid of your origin center wings first, I reckon, because you can replace those points pretty easily, and you just got so many to rotate through there. It's it's pretty easy to do that.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like people like you know Valentine Holmes, who hasn't been doing too great. You can look. i would be more comfortable offloading someone like that and try and keep your Harry Grants and your Munsters and your Tom Travoyeviches where you can. But that's also another interesting topic when you talk about Tom because you've got to also warrant his injury, and he's probably at a higher risk to be rested. But I'm not sure how much the coaches are going to look into, you know, you don't know how they're going to think with the resting because the competition is so close at the moment, and they're going to start thinking, no, I can't afford to rest this guy or no, I need to rest this guy because of how tight the competition is. So it's it's hard to read.
0: Yep, very hard this far out to read uh, on what coaches are going to decide to do during this origin period. But I think the upside down table from what we thought it was going to be is going to help us. Seems like the the Dolphins being in the top eight was unexpected. Brisbane being first was unexpected. So like you might have thought that someone like the Roosters and the Eels, for example, would have rested players through that period. But at the moment, they're sitting in ninth and twelfth. Uh, so maybe it's a lot harder now for them to do that and you get a lot more backing up. On the flip side, someone like Brisbane, you might have thought, might have really needed everyone they could get all hands on deck during that orange period. But if they keep it up, they're 6-1 and one at the moment in first spot. Maybe they're a side that you didn't expect that are going to start resting players. So if you look at the table at the moment, uh, I think it's pretty much upside down on a lot of the teams that you thought would rest and the ones that you thought wouldn't. So we'll see how it pans out. I, I have to say, to finish off on this strategy chat, Mikey, I am I think that this is the week from round eight onwards, you really need to be looking at the bias for for round 13 buy round right now who you're buying should come into it and if you're deciding just to not worry about it uh you can but it means you've got to be really really good and, and even like you probably get this question as well and you guys all on the super coach experience i'm sure i've dealt with it as well where it's like well i don't really want to worry about the buy rounds when someone says that to me i'm like y- you can do that but make sure that you've got like you know seven out of 13 or something you know you just you can't have like two or three and just have just a, a, a dead round because that's just going to kill you
1: yeah if you're a head-to-head player i can see a world where you know you can not worry about it as much but yeah if you're an overall player i'm sorry but if you're playing super coach it's part of it they made it a little you might think they made it a little bit easier this year but we, we truly don't know but yeah, I think it was very nice of them to put 13 players. I definitely think they could have gone with how they had it and went 17. It could be way, like, a lot harder for all of us.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move along to market watch for round eight. Exciting one. Lots of options, lots of changes. Traded out players, first of all, in the top 10. Jacob Carraz makes total sense. It is very unfortunate. Me and Mike, you've already cried about it at the start of the podcast, so we won't go <laughs> through it again. Khan uh, Pereira. Number two, and this is one of those ones, Mikey, where he's made almost 300K. He's almost 500,000 in value. Looks perfect to trade out. And I'm not going to say he's not. He's got a 73 break even. Uh, I think that one of the things, though, that's important to point out, and I'm not going to say this is going to make a difference, so don't misquote me, anyone, but round six, he scored 16 points, and that's currently in his rolling average. So he's 73 break even. He's based on a 16 and a 63. He's playing the Dolphins this week. Yeah, the Dolphins have obviously been going good. I'm not, I'm not going to talk down on the Dolphins, but they have had games where they've given up quite a few points. I'll never forget a few weeks ago when the Dragons absolutely belted them by thirty. But yeah, if he scores a double this week, that sixteen drops out, Mikey, and he's got a sixty-three and say a seventy-five or something in his rolling average. And all of a sudden, his break even goes back down. Uh, so maybe you know loses ten k or something, and then he goes up another fifty k over the next fortnight. It's just something important for people to keep in mind because I think there's other players that you might have that have got a 73 break-even that's a true indication of their value going forward. They're going to start dropping cash and the break-even is going to get bigger and bigger. Uh, And those guys you can probably trade instead of a Khan Pereira. So I don't think it's a bad trade-out at all. Uh, It's just some teams maybe have someone else that might actually be better even though they've got a slightly lower break-even just because of that rolling average Khan Pereira has at the moment.
1: Yeah, very good point. Um, I'm, I was on the fence of it. I'm personally selling this week because I'm after a certain it's to generate money to get some of these big players in. But, um, on the flip side to what you said, um, yeah, he could go out and score that, but the dolphins are being very impressive. And what if they come out? He doesn't, he gets a 16. It's the fact that we know there's a 16 in it. Then bang, he's going to lose some money this week. Another low break even this week. And he's a, he's a roller coaster and. I know it could come back to bite you, but you know, sometimes cashing out at 292 K if you're going to do something good with that money, then, you know, I, th- I think it's a good cash out. So okay. he doesn't play the round 13 buy. So if you can trade him, for example, you wanted to go a week early on Jared Croker, he's at 270 K. That's a pocketing of 200 K. And if Jared Croker continues to get named, you've just got an extra buy number as well as money to upgrade to some of these big players that we mentioned. So that's probably where I think a lot of these numbers are coming for the trades out for Khan Pereira. But, yeah, there's a world where he could do the Jason Saab from a couple of years back and you trade him out and then he starts going 120, 110, 100. And he, he, this guy could definitely do that.
0: Yeah, it's a good trade out. Uh, just do due diligence and make sure there isn't other guys that are actually a uh, better trade out on your side because there might be some. Taruba. Oh, I really thought that Taruva was the pick of the bunch of these center wings, but he's going out yeah, insanely quick from a lot of teams at the moment. He's in 45% of teams at the moment. That's going to drop significantly. He's got to break even a 56, which isn't bad. And his value is a lot less than what uh, Pereira's is as well. So he's only made 137000 at the moment, just over 412000 in value. He is someone, Mikey, who I'm very disappointed in. He's gone no scores above a 63. And that is his only score at 60-plus in his first seven rounds of footy. And I just thought that he'd be getting more tries in the Panthers' attack. That 63 came in a Canberra game where, you know, Nathan Cleary went ballistic and scored 158 points and there was a million points for everyone. It's It, it was one of those things where at the start he had really good base and that was fine. And certainly two weeks ago he had a 44 against Manly, a lot of base-base attack in there. On the weekend, though, against Newcastle, 27 points in Golden Point, even though it was only an extra minute, <laughs> still got a point. It's uh, it's disappointing. I still kind of believe in him, though. So I'm holding him at the moment. I would sell Khan Pereira and some of these other guys over him. I do think that you need to look past this week. Like, South will be pretty tough. Maybe he drops 10, 15, 20K, even if he has a decent, you know, 40s game. But the Tigers and the Warriors after that, you know, I just have to, especially that Tigers game in round nine, I just have to think that playing the Tigers in round nine, he's going to get... One or two tries, and it's going to be better than his 63 points with two tries against Canberra. So I'm I'm trying to hold him more than the other guys. But are you are you seeing a world where you think that he's more of a sell?
1: I'm going to surprise you, Barnsley as a resident Penrith supporter. I'm actually trading him out this week. Um, Big, yeah. It's I I understand all the risk with it, um, but there is you understand when I get to my trades, I think you'll like them. Um, and the traded in there's just some big center wing options this week that I have to have. And the big thing with Taruva is he's got glue hands, Tago next to him. And the thing is, yeah, Tago might have glue hands. But he's playing amazing football. He's doing good. And it's funny in all of Taruva's scores, he scored two tries, which was that 63 and none with a line break. I do believe there's a world where they will come. And I do believe there might be a time where I might want to bring him back in for the next buy round or, I might want him back at a later time, but some guys have to go. And when I'm kind of looking at him and Warbrick, I'm just leaning towards keeping Warbrick just because of the kind of the team and structure around him compared to Ruva. So
0: that's interesting because they're really similar players at a really similar price point with similar break-evens.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of just – yeah, it's, it's, it's probably a, a weird one for a Panther supporter, but at this stage, I've kind of got him just ahead purely on the fact that Warwick just seemed to have a bit more tries in him, and maybe it's a short-term thing that I see that 60 in his rolling average. So if he can score a couple or even one against the Warriors, and his cash is going to start generating a lot quicker, where I think that Warriors game's a lot tougher than people think next week, uh, Magic rounds. Um, Panthers do are lucky enough to play the Warriors at home at Suncourt, which is awesome. Um, but I, I think that'll be a, a tough game for them because you know, the coach of the Warriors is gonna he knows these boys very well. And I think, you know, it's it's gonna be a good clash. So yeah, I, you know, you might make me have a little bit of a harder think about it, but um I'm f- all for trading him out if you're trading in the right person for him. So
0: Yeah, I I am definitely not against doing it. Like I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say change your mind on it, but personally, I'd trade Warbrick over him. It's almost looking a bit short-term for me as well because I'm just looking after this week, playing the Tigers, like the type of game that Tariva has. There's been so many times this year so far that I've been disappointed because he's run the ball back so well and had a couple of tackle breaks and then he's, he's like gotten an ankle grabbed or something right when he's like poked his head through the line. And he's had these really good runs through the middle on these hit-ups and stuff where it's like, oh, geez, against a worse side, he would have gone through there. And I would have loved to see him in open space. We haven't got to see it yet. Yeah. Against the Tigers, I'm thinking we might actually see this happen. I'm thinking that he might actually hit a couple of line breaks against the Tigers. So uh, I'm just looking at that going. um, And this is something that I think I urge all teams to have a think about. When you're looking at these really good matchups and you go, geez, I really want a piece of these, sometimes you just, like my team, I've only got Nathan Cleary from the Panthers. And I look at that matchup in round nine and go, geez, I need some players from Penrith because you know, I think that they're going to carve the Tigers up. I'm, I'm going to probably captain Nathan Cleary, but what else do I have? I can't get Brian Toto in because I've got all these other guys I want to get in, blah, blah, blah. If I keep Taruva, I've got Taruva for that future matchup. So yeah, it's not having a Brian Toto. It's not having some of these other strike players from the Panthers, but at least it's something. And if it's a real smash-up, he's got a chance of getting a big score. So that's my other reasoning around it. Um, I don't really see Warbrick in that boat either. Like he's not playing a team like the Tigers in the next couple of weeks. Um, and He's got
1: buyers coming yeah. up. It's,
0: it's, it's a he's point. got the yeah, two buyers, yeah. It's
1: a good point to make, 100% with Taruba too, with the, the upcoming matchups, And I guess he, it, Taruba's got a bit more of a, a better base than what Warbrick does. So, yeah. I guess, I guess I'm going to have a harder look at that. But um, yeah, especially with, I guess if you I know a lot of teams are heavy on storm plays because they've got so many options and with the two buys coming up in the next six weeks for them, uh, I think you need to look at that too.
0: So the next guy on the list we're not going to talk about because it makes sense, Kieran Kalamatungi, been one of the boom second rowers of the competition, both in real life and Supercoach. injured long-term, need to get rid of him. Joseph Tarpeny at number five though. A little bit surprised about this one. He has just dropped another 14,000. He's dropped almost 60,000 on the season. So you've already lost a bit of money on him and at 640,000. He doesn't have... Well, he's got decent value to trade out, but you've already lost a bit. He hasn't gone badly. Like he's still averaging 62 points a game. Even on the weekend, it was his equal low and it was still 57 points. Expectations are obviously pretty high, but I'm going to just point out to people that are selling him at the moment Yeah, he's got a buy this week, but he plays a big buy round in round thirteen. He's one of those premium guys for that round. I wouldn't be buying him at the moment because of his output, but I'm gonna be buying him, Mikey, for that round thirteen buy at some point in the couple of weeks before it. And I think that if you already own him, you just I think it's much better off to hold him at the moment, unless you really, really have to. But I just I think it's a bit knee-jerk. Uh his minutes. You know, he's only been averaging 50 minutes a game. I'm going to just point out to people he only averaged 51 minutes a game last year. One of the things that happened last year was around round 11 where he started consistently playing 50 to 60-plus minutes a game. And we're starting to approach that now, right? Uh, His minutes at the moment have been 50, 47, 46, 56 in an injury-affected game, 49 and 50. So he's only got one game out of six that's gone over 50 minutes a game. That was very normal for what happened to him last year. And then his minutes went up and everybody wanted to own him. So if I already owned him, all things considered, you know, he's going to come out of this bye. He's going to play the Dolphins, the Dogs, Parramatta, Manly, and then Souths in the big buy round, followed by the Tigers and New Zealand Warriors. They've got a good draw coming up, the Raiders. He's an elite front row forward option for that round 13, big buy round. And he's going to play the following week, which some of those big buy round teams do not do, but the Raiders do. So... Oh, I think it's a little bit premature. I'd be trying to hold him.
1: I can't believe he's fifth on the list because it's funny that he's been on my watch list uh, for the past couple of weeks. I was looking at it for this week, thinking, okay, I'm sick of Welch. I'm going to look from Welch to Tapene, and I had to look at the front rows and go, okay, who's the best front row that I can get for round 13? And while looking at it, you know, it's Tapene, and uh, he does have a few low scores, but he, he normally gets blooded a bit, like with his minutes and. He normally starts a bit slower and then starts, you know, firing up and it's, it's the same with the Raiders last year. They started really slow and then they started winning those bunch of games from middle to the end. And it looks like they're doing something similar this year. So, um, yeah, I think it's crazy. If you got him now, hold him. And, you know, potentially I know quite a few of us will be looking at purchasing him uh, to complement Payne Hard's. And the good thing is if you grab him, he'll be someone you'll keep in your front row, which is a pretty desolate position for, you know, the remainder of the year. So, that seems like a pretty luxury trade to me because I couldn't imagine there'd be you know any front rollers that are screaming buy me
0: yeah exactly um, and even if you're not looking at that buy in um, you know round 13 it's a big buy round he doesn't have another buy until round 16 and his draw for that period is pretty good and again round 11 last year is when his minutes kind of went up. it's it's going to happen in a couple of weeks. His minutes are probably going to go up again. So uh, you're not going to lose money either. That's the other thing. Look, I just keep playing him and copping the the low 60s average, and then eventually you're going to start to hit some clutch attack, which he really hasn't had any of this year. Um, So uh, completely agree, Mikey. We should be holding Tappany if we have him. Reid Marnie, uh, he started off the season really well, and I have to say the game on the weekend – it was one of the worst like performances that I remember seeing from, from many players in a long time. He just did so many things wrong. It was ridiculous. Had like a heap of errors. Um, I think he had three errors and four penalties that he conceded. Like, it was just, it was crazy. And even the errors that weren't errors uh, were errors. He was making these decisions that just weren't any good. What do you do though? Because I think that some teams are going down and using that Reed Marnie money. And they're not thinking about it. Like I'd be fine with trading Reed Marnie in a vacuum. Um, and at the moment, you know, the Bulldogs don't look very good. They've got a lot of players out. He's 562,000. So there's a bit of value there. The problem is if you've got Harry Grant and Reed Marnie, which a lot of teams have that combo, and you're downgrading him to someone who's unplayable, Harry Grant's going to have a buy soon. And I think that that's something that people are starting to overlook a little bit with these, with these cells too.
1: Yeah, 100%, because there's a, quite a few, like you could go to, like you mentioned before, Reece Robson or, you know, Jeremy Marshall King could be the play, but, you know, you're right, like, you know, would you deem that to be sideways? But at the same time, there's not too much of a plethora of cheap guys that you can go for at the moment. Like, yes, Crossland's playing um, in hooker at the moment, but unfortunately he's not going to get that jewel. And I swear there was a hooker that was kind of cheap that uh, someone mentioned, it, but I can't remember who it is. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a real tough slot because I guess right now with how much of a wasteland the dummy half position is, I'll be wanting to either make sure I have a gun in that second position. So that's my hook is done or find a way to, you know, shed 250 K so I can start making upgrades, but, uh, that's where it gets tricky. I think a lot we're hoping Brendan hands could be that, but obviously Hodson comes back into the lineup this week. Um, so yeah, it it definitely makes things tough.
0: Uh, Uda Kamanu, the seventh most traded out player. Talking about guys that have been disappointing this year, he's been exceptionally disappointing. I really thought, and it wasn't just the pre-season game that, that sort of s- s- pulled, pulled me in. It looked like he was getting a good minute. It looked like the Tigers were going to be better. He's only averaging 48 points a game, and he's doing that with 13 extra minutes. Like, he plays 33 minutes a game in 2022 for his price point, and he's only averaging... And now he's averaging forty six minutes, but only forty eight points. It just it doesn't really compute. It looked like he was going to do a lot better um, than what he than what he is, but it also looked like he was going to get more minutes than the forty six minutes too. He's only got one game where he's gone above forty eight, and that was a seventy eight with a try line break that really shouldn't have been. <laughs> he's he's come off the bye last week. He's not going to play the big buy round around thirteen, so he's only got these five games coming up. He's a fine sell for me. Uh, I do think that he's going to bite us at some point, that it's something he's got to give where he's just going to start making money. But, yeah, it, he looks like an easy out. It's just a matter of who you're going to, I guess, because it's it's pretty tough. If you've got Uda Kamado as your third front row forward and you're going to downgrade him, uh, you're going to leave yourself real short at front row, and that could be a problem. So I just say, like I think he's a really good sell, Mikey, but I just tell teams that are selling him to make sure that you're not going to leave yourself short in the coming weeks when maybe one of your props has got to buy or something.
1: Yeah, 100%. I agree. I agree with that take of that. You know, he has made, if you sell now, he's made just under 100K. So at least at some kind of profit, but that's the big question, eh? who are you going to sell him to? Because there's not many good cheaper options. And realistically, if you want to get someone decent in, you're going to have to spend quite a bit of money, which is going to then leave you short on another plan. So it's a juggling act really, this game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is. uh, Katawa and Egan, the next couple, and they both look, look like pretty easy sells. Uh, Katoa, I think that we all had pretty um, high standards for, and he hasn't really met them. Uh, but you've got to remember he's a rookie half playing for the Dolphins, I guess. But 98.5K, I think that we all thought it, that'd be 150 to 200K at a minimum. So uh, is it giving up early? Because uh, I'm sort of, I'm looking at it going, look, his game's not really going to translate to super coach at the moment. So that probably makes sense with him. And, and Wade Egan's obviously kind of done his job and you want to move on from him.
1: I don't I don't hate it, but at the same time, I think there's this one big game in him, which we'll see an uptick in that price, like where he scores a try and he just does something crazy, which we've seen him if you've watched him play some of his junior stuff. So and at the same time, if you've got him in your five-eight spot, there isn't unless you're gonna go big and spend the money apart from your Munsters, Browns, and Walkers, I think there's not a huge range of five eights that I personally want to own. So I don't mind, you know, stacking, you know, my centre wing a bit harder and get a few more guns in the second row and just leaving Controller there for 5-8 for now, who could prove us wrong in that round 13 bye. Um, you know, he could go out there, score 25, and that could be one of your faded scores if you've got 14 players, or you might actually do something. And even if you just went out there and got a 40, like that could make a big difference in the buy round. So like, you know, a 40 to a 50. So I'm personally going to try and hold while I can. I've never met a more slow-burning half than Isaiah Katoa in quite some time, <laughs> but um, I'm not. I'm not too concerned um, as of yet. But a cheap Kalen Ponga on the way might tempt me to hit that trade button, but not not just yet. <laughs>
0: Oh, Alamode is the last guy in this list. And he's someone who's been sold pretty heavily for a few weeks running. Um, he's got that 11. He's rolling average at the moment. But he's still only got a 50 break even. So
1: a lot more money to make. I don't understand this one as much. Fair enough if you need to get guys on. But as we saw, I'd prefer to trade uh, Suva or Warbrick. Um, he got denied a, a, a try where he beat three guys. He mm. could have had a double on the weekend. And his score could have been 70, like around 75. Um. That game where he got 10, he got moved to a wing, which I thought just isn't his position. So I really think, you know, 350K, this guy's got another 100K to give you at least. So I know the doggies aren't looking too good, but here's a guy that I'd be happy to lose a little bit and be patient. And I think he could reward you long-term when they start to get on a roll and some of their players back.
0: Yeah, and this is a really good example to finish off on the trade-outs on MarketWatch where timing is really important. Because I'm gonna say something here and, and some of the listeners will be like, Oh Barnes, a couple of weeks ago you said he was a great sell. Yeah, but timing is everything. Because a couple of weeks ago he was three hundred and ninety two thousand, three hundred and ninety-three thousand. And you've lost over forty thousand now. He's down to three fifties. Like if you wanted to sell him, a couple of weeks ago was the prime time to sell him because he was closer to four hundred thousand. You'd made almost two hundred thousand dollars profit out of it. And it it was a harder draw coming up as well. He was playing Souths and the Eels back-to-back. Like, that was a good time to sell. But this is what timing does, right? He's now lost value. You've now gotten down to 350K. And after the Sharks this week, he then has three out of the next four at home. And they're against the Dragons, the Raiders, the New Zealand Warriors, and the Gold Coast Titans. So, you know, certainly if you're ranking it a couple of weeks ago, I would have sold Alamody over the Warbricks, over the Carper areas, and, and everyone really. But now he's, they've all leapfrogged him as a sell. Uh, I'd sell all those, you know, initial batch of cheapies over him, um, except for Taruva. I'm a little bit 50 50 odd just because of that Tigers game. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I think at this point you just hold because you've, you needed to sell him a couple of weeks ago for me.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: 100%. So the trade ins, uh, some of these are going to be really easy to talk about. Ruben Garrick's number one. Um, I think he should be number one. I think one of the things that people are bringing up that's important just to touch on—he's got 127 break even. So there's certainly some teams, that, and you know, a lot of rookie teams will do this, and so are just new to SuperCoach. So it's an important point to talk about. They'll say, "Well, but it's not a good time to buy him because it's 127 break even—he's going to be cheaper." It's—it's it's one of those things, Mikey, where if you've got premium buyers with a premium matchup you pay for the points. And even if he ends up scoring, um, you know, a 90 and it's going to cost you 20K or something, it's not worth saving that 20K to buy him a week later when you could have got 90 points out of him right now. And he's also obviously got the big upside. So I don't care about the break-even 127 at all. I would if it was somebody who, you know, is a mid-ranger, is someone that isn't an elite super coach option, is someone that isn't a keeper. Yeah, sure, 127 break-even. I'll wait for them. But for someone that's such a good option, like Ruben Garrick, that's, you know, one of the best centre wings in the game at the moment, you just pay that and just go, oh, well, if he loses money, he loses money because there's an upshot where he scores 140 points.
1: Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, you mentioned a lot, you know, the Tigers as a matchup, He's got him this week. 100% you pay for the points. Um, as soon as Karaz went down, I was spewing, but at the same time, I was like, ding, there's my way to Ruben Garrick and... For me, he's a must have, not maybe now, but I think now's the right time. But you want him for that round 13 pie. He's a captain option, a VC option there. He's too deadly not to own. And I've been death riding him every week he's been on. If you take out that HIA affected game, he's got 110, 82, 71, 81. Like his average has only been infected and he's only gone down that 40K purely because of that HIA. Yep. So against the Panthers. He's got the Tigers and the Titans and, you know, he's playing, he's got a nice matchup for that round 13 why So 700 K, um, you know, if you're in the same boat and you're selling courage to him, then, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me because it's actually not costing you that much um, goal kicking wing. And to be honest, like he's, you know, I think you can captain him on some matchups and he usually is a pod matchup because everyone would prefer and the good matchups to go to Tom. So he opens a board of opportunity and I'm bringing him in, and he's going to stay in my center wing unless he gets injured. So, touch wood. But that's why some of these purchases, yeah, 127 break even. He scored 121, 113, and 105. So, anywhere around 100, you don't really care if he's missed his break even by 27. Because once that eight goes out, you're going to need to get him and you're going to have a limited amount of time to do it before round 13 hits.
0: Yeah. And the other thing that teams will do as well is that you'll go, I'll get him later, but you'll spend your Karaz money now. (laughs) So like, you're not going to have these opportunities where you've got this guy that's really highly owned that's injured or or, or suspended long-term or out long-term where you can get rid of them. And so you'll try and do it in a week where you don't have anyone hurt and you don't have anyone to take out. And you're like, oh, well, you know, I've got Cartwright at 434K and this other guy at 403K. I can't get him in. And, And that'll happen to so many teams. And you have to have him for round 13. Absolutely have to. Um, so, are
1: you bringing him in, Barnsey? Is, yep. is he your trading for for Karaz, or do you already have him?
0: Um, he was my he was my trade for Karaz, and to be honest, before Karaz went down, he was my he was my trade this week anyway. So, okay, yes, yeah, we're on
1: the same boat there.
0: He was always going to be. I was just going to do it with a downgrade and a, and, a, and an upgrade, but I don't need to do that now that Karaz is down because I had you know 170k in the bank, and obviously Karaz is only 50k off Garrick anyway. So um that was that was definitely always going to be my trade and even is more so now because it's even easier to do the second guy joey manu though he has rocketed up to you know it's it's three percent ownership at the moment with an extra four percent trading him in at the moment it's probably going to go up to like eight nine percent trading him in he's probably going to be around that 11 percent mark when trading's all finished and the round starts but the big news that's created this market frenzy for Joey Manu. It's certainly not his 46 average that he's got so far this year. It is the fact that he's moving to Jersey 6 and Sam Booker has been dropped. Now, I think there's a few ways that you can look at this. I was already eyeing off Manu anyway because he had 106 break even. It looked like he could probably get to maybe even as low as 550K. And then when that happens, you go, wow, over that origin period where he probably pays out of position a little bit at times, you want him for that. Uh, and you want him for that second, that other big buy round that the Roosters do play. It's not round 13, but it's later on. And at a cheap price, you go, well, I can throw him in. So, a lot of good coaches, I think, are already looking. I am looking at him. I do want him this week. I do think that he's going to go really well against St. George. It doesn't matter. He's got 106 break even. And at 5 8 last time, he scored 191 points against them. So, there's a lot to like about That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but in saying all that, I am going to do a bit of a devil's advocate here with this purchase. I think people are looking short-term, but they think it's long-term. And what I mean by that is it's really important to have expectations. Sammy Walker, is not going to be in New South Wales Cup very long. I, I, I would, if I were to guess, I'd say next week he's back, but failing next week, it's the week after. So if you've only got Joey Manu for one or two weeks playing six, you know, are you going to be happy with that? Is that okay? Because he's going to go back to center. And at center so far this year, he's scored 33, 31, and 71 points. Uh, and that's real Joey Marnie center type stats. Uh, and that's what he's done a lot of his career. He's kind of been decent in the low 60s of an average, but a lot of 30s games pumped up by some 70s and 80s at center. So he's not a good, he's not a great center buy. And I think that if he wasn't changing position this week, a lot of teams wouldn't buy him. How are you seeing the Joey Manu frenzy at the moment for the tradings?
1: Well, I'm part of the frenzy because there's no way in the world that I'm not bringing him in. So I shifted um, Ryan Madison. Instead of getting him, I'm targeting Joey Manu. So I'm doing a triple boost center wing trade this week. And I'm so excited to be able to bring Manu and Garrick in. And although you bring great point up, and I'm not expecting him to stay in 5-8, but there is every world that Sam Walker comes on and replaces Hutchinson on the bench. I know you're the roosters fan you might have you know have different thoughts, but there is a good indication that that can happen. I also expect a few resting around Tedesco in and out of buys, which would then see him become a fullback and great for those matchups and he the thing is with Manu like he could play so well that you know he stays in that five eight spot a bit longer than we think, and with matchups against you know the the Dragons and then, you know, the the Warriors, you know, Cowboys who have been a bit underperformed and then they have the Dragons again in round 12. Like Manu is going to be someone that you're going to need to own for when he plays his buy round and 177K discount. I'm happy to take that and just pay for him now because like we said with Garrick, you're paying for the points. I'm expecting a big game for him this week. So yeah, I think the time is right to grab him now and, bringing in two guys with high ceilings like Eric and Manu. um, Yeah, it it could not work for me. If they both come out and don't do as good as I think, I'm also going to lose money with my trades. But on the flip side, I'm going for like, you know, hoping to have a big round to zap me back into the top 1K. So, look, I... He's only been brought in by four thousand, but he's only at three percent. I reckon he stays around fifteen percent for this round at least. So,
0: oh yeah, I don't think that he'll get there. Like I don't even think he'll get to fifteen but max. I'm talking max. Yeah, it's it's good because I, I think the thing that stops it is the fact that there's uh, multiple guys that are decent buys this week. Um, teams are left short because of not just buy rounds, but also injuries and stuff as well. If you need to get Hines, got to get Hines yeah. in. He's another guy that you left that you shouldn't have. And Manu is also still expensive at 623000 It's not that easy. Like we spoke about how Karaz is only in 22% of teams. You know, there's a lot of teams that didn't have Karaz that don't have an easy way to get Manu in. So I think that's going to help this week. Um, I'm, I'm looking at... I actually initially did Garrick and Manu for Khan Pereira and for and i was dollars short.
1: Exactly, (laughs) i I, I had a good feeling that when you said that to me earlier that was the exact trade and i was like that's exactly that's exactly what i've done there but um obviously needed to make a third trade to fund that which i was happy to do because i think it's a week to get both of these guys even with those break evens but the big thing on the roosters too which you'd probably agree with me barnes is you're starting to get some of your players back like the Roosters and especially these players like Tedesco and that go really well when they've got a forward pack to lay the foundation. Mm-hmm. And you've got Tupin back on the bench, Angus Crichton's back, Lodge come back last week. You're just starting to get your four pack, which I think you've really been missing. And to me, that I smell points on the horizon and a Roosters turnaround, which is an inevitable. So that is more reason for me to bring in Manu.
0: Oh, it's a great matchup this week, too. So you just, you, you can just, it, it's, I don't want, um, my counter argument to sound like I don't think it's a good buy. I do think it's a good buy. I I just would make sure that you're aware of the slight risks and the, the the downside isn't bad. Like the downside's still good. He's still not an expensive price. Like Mike, he said 177K off. It's it's fine to buy him now anyway. But just be aware of the risks. You know, you, huge upside though. Like maybe he stays in. At six for three weeks or four weeks, Which yeah, it could huge, happen.
1: Huge, huge fit. Yeah,
0: and then it's massive. Um, and the, look, he scores. Yeah. I I don't think he's going to repeat it, but imagine if he repeat his hundred ninety one points from last year, and did it again, he's actually going to go up significantly. And then the next week, he's going to go up heaps, and nobody's going to be able to buy him. And I wouldn't That's even it. want. I wouldn't even want to because I wouldn't want to pay eight hundred fifty k in two weeks for a Joe, for a Joey Martu, you know. So. Yeah, There there is a lot of upside to like about
1: it as well. Yeah, exactly right. And you look at his pass scores against the Dragons and the fact it's an Anzac match, he's going to want to rise for it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy stuff, really, when you think about it. But, you know, it's what this game's all about, taking some risks and having some fun with it. And I don't own a Sydney Rooster, and that really scares me. I've managed to trade him off while they're a bit of a form slump. So Mm. I'm like, I'm going to need to get some back soon or I'm going to really regret it. So it's one of the other things I was looking at as, you know, if Tupinua goes back on the edge and certain things like that, there'll be a few more holes, Criden's back. Then, you know, if Manu does go back to centre on that side, that's also going to create opportunities for him to score higher in the centre wing. So I guess, you know, that's another reason for it. But obviously I'm going to be all for it as I'm bringing him in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he plays the Dragons twice in the next five as well. So even if he's at centre for that for that fifth game, that's fine. Uh, Jared Croker and Hayes Dunster, these are pretty quick ones. These are downgrades. Jared Croker at 280000 and Dunster at two hundred thirty-five. See, the issues here are like with Croker, um, Savage can come back any week and, and knock Croker out and who knows how long he's going to play for. And people will be like, oh, well, he's, he's going to want to get to his 300th game. And it's like, well, Canberra didn't care about his 300th game last year when they sent him, you know, mm. and they didn't care at the start of the season. Like in the pre-season, Although all, low. he's only, what, eight games away from 300 and he started in, in second grade and he's only just made his way back two weeks ago in, what, round six. Um, I, I don't know if they're really going to look at that with the sides that's so far out the eight that wants to make sure that they're going to make the top eight. So it's a big risk there. Whereas someone like dunstar he looks like a no-brainer, right, because he's going to play the bye as well um, if he keeps his job. But he's got his own positional risk there where he could have... You know, Simonson could have come back this week, um, but didn't. Wunger Blake could have come back any week, but he's been dropped for form. Does that change? Yeah, it could. But the bigger thing is with Dunster as well, is that you saved the 50-odd K, but he's got to break even a 38. He hasn't been able to hit that the first two weeks. He's only scored 7-27. and 27. So, you know, Dunster's someone that you could probably wait on, uh, although you know, maybe he gets a try this week and then he, he makes a bit of cash. If you have to have a downgrade, these look like the two downgrade option, options in centre wing. Neither of them are too pretty, though. I'd probably side with Dunster just because you're going to save a bit of extra cash there. Uh, and But at the same time, you could wait two weeks on Dunster and still be able to jump on him in his first negative break, even waiting a fortnight. So neither look great, Mikey.
1: Yeah, see, I, I prefer Croker to Dunster, and at this stage, I am taking the risk and bringing him in. Um, but, yeah, comes of its risk. With Hayes Dunster, we had a bit of outside source that. You know, not, not much good source. We couldn't credit it much, but that Dunster is there on merit. Um, we'll write with the mail that Jake gave us about Bryce Carr at the start of the year that he'll start and that he got that mail right. So, yeah, th- even when Simonson comes back, you know, we believe if he played okay and, you know, the Parramatta were winning games, he'd stay there. So I reckon there's a good chance he stays there. I'm going to back Jake. And um, with Croker, yeah, he plays all that risk, but the Canberra have won their past few games. They've looked quite good. Savage. He's back in New South Wales Cup, not even playing fullback. He's playing wing, which, yes, he couldn't come and take someone's spot. But Croker's been kicking goals as well. And realistically, if he does keep his spot next week, he does play that first round. And to me, I was like, if he gets named next week, I'm definitely bringing him in anyways. So why not bring him in this week? That way I can get Manu and Garrick. So obviously I need him to get named next week, which, as you mentioned earlier, you want a full playing list to 25. So it carries its risk. But... I'm I'm gonna back Ricky to stick with the team that keeps on winning for now, especially with the back line and you know hope Jared Croker's not the one to make way because you know we all know what he can do and he's he hasn't looked bad in the past two games, that's for sure.
0: Yep, all fair calls. Ryan Madison, um big gun to get in. I'm I'm merely big on this one. He's he's still an ultra pot at the moment, and being over seven hundred thousand, like I think people were hoping he was gonna drop. He's gone 89 and 80 in his last two weeks, and his four scores back are 74, 62, 80, and 89. I, coming into this year, if he got his um, judiciary result overturned so he could pay that fine, thought that he was potentially the best second round for super coach, And he's come out and he's played like it for his first four rounds. Three round average is 77, season average is 76. He's got a season best in prior seasons of 75. Uh, the rest have been mid mid to higher 60s. I think that he can stay at around this 75 average. I really do. His base has been awesome. On the weekend, he had lower base than he has any other game at only 49 um, with a raw base average across those four games of 61. It's pretty low, but he got his first clutch attack stats on the weekend. And he's playing a Broncos um, side that can that let in some points around the the pack and around the edges. And he's got the Newcastle Knights, the Titans, and the Raiders. So it's a good pretty good month of footy for the eels i I really like madison as a buy. it's one of those great things as well mate where like everyone's going to jump on manu and garrick so he's going to stay a massive pod he's only in one percent of teams at the moment and even though that he's in the top five most traded players it's only three percent bringing him in he's going to be sub five percent for sure and that's going to be awesome uh, as an owner of getting those solid 70s and 80s through and maybe even a, his first ton of the year. So I love him as a buyer. You said that you were going to bring him in this week, but it got skittled because you want to get Manu.
1: Yeah, you you convinced me when we done done the podcast at the start of the year, like he was going to be my main guy I started with when I listened to your Parramatta preview. I was like, yep, yeah, I'm starting with him for sure. And then I tar- wanted to target him last week, but had other plans. And, yeah, I was bringing him in for Cartwright, actually, this week. I had the money to do it. But Manu in 5'8", and I just thought about it, and I go, nah, I'm going to do this play. And I've still, with my trade this week, I've still got 150K. So I still have a, a way to get Madison. I'm just not sure who yet. That's why I thought maybe it might be smart in my case to wait another week because someone like, like Alicia Katoa, who's been amazing, could come out and get another sub 40, and I might go, I'm just going to take the risk selling with all their buys coming up. And that's that trade would only cost me 120K, which I already have. So maybe it might be smart to sit back a week. Maybe Cardi doesn't revert to the bench and holding him might work out for me. So there was a number of things in why I thought not only just grabbing Joe Manu, we're, we're holding him. And I guess that's what's important. You've got to look at those things. But break even of 49 and if he jags a try this week, um, yeah, like, he's, he's going to cost me a bit extra. And he has been named to start at lock. Um, I don't know what Parramatta are thinking. And it's important to note that um, Hodgson was a late scratcher last week with the flu. And maybe that's why Cartwright reverted to the bench as a utility. That's just one way that I'm looking at it. So maybe this week, although they won last week, they might keep Madison at lock, keep Hopgood on the bench, and start Cardi. I don't think it affects... Um, madison as much but i think you know whether is it lock or starting second row it's not going to matter but i I kind of personally like him better at the second row and you know you can definitely see him crossing the line very soon so he's one of those other guys like garrick that i think you've got to have he plays all three by round. you've got to have a way to get him so i'd get him this week if you can but if you can't have that plan for him for sure
0: and one of the reasons he's so elite as a purchase and a super coach option is because he is going to be a, one of the top buy around players you can have for the big buy rounds. But at the same time, you're going to keep him for the whole year. You're just never going to trade him out. And that's really useful because a lot of these big buy round guys, particularly from round 13, you're going to trade a heap of them out again. You don't need to spend that second trade on Ryan Madison. He's fantastic. Those those owners that held Garrick, it's an opportune time to be able to get Madison in this week because you've got a, a really good shot at getting like a Manu and a Madison. Uh, Schuster. Number six, I I think that he's a better downgrade than Croker and Dunster. Uh, I'm really not a shoes defender at all, by the way, and I wasn't surprised that he ended up taking um, too long to come back from his injury. He's playing the Tigers this week. Like, do you, do you think it's a bit too audacious with how bad his, his scores are to say I'm just going to play him because it's the Tigers as well? I mean, two hundred forty thousand. He's a good downgrade, and he's got a good matchup against the Tigers this week.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Another option. Personally, I could have dropped Cartwright for him, but I'm just I've just got this feeling about Cartwright. But something to look at. I he's got such a low base that it's so worrying if he doesn't get the attacking stats. What can he do? But yeah, he's at a cheap price. You don't have to play him each week, and yeah, he covers that first buy round. And then on top of that, the injury risk. Like, look at how many games he's actually played this year. That's what really scares me about purchasing him. He comes with as many risks as as Croker and, and Dunster. But yeah. If he actually does play this week, you know, he's. I'd definitely consider playing him against the Tigers. Uh, They've got a a young fullback at the back that we don't know too much about. If he doesn't go too well, I think there's going to be lots of points on offer and it's going to be a big one for Schuster, Turbo, and Garrick combining. So that is also another good shout, Blanzy. Definitely. Highly owned, but very highly owned.
0: Uh, Yeah, but he'd probably be highly, uh, he'd probably end up highly benched too, which is going to be good. Yeah. well depending on what way it goes I mean he could score a nine <laughs> we'll think positive because I'm going to start him Maxi King oh, I love King this year I, I really wish I started with him I had that it was one of those crossroads moments you know I talked about going Cardi over Dory oh, I went I didn't go the King route on the front row forward decision and that really cost me he's got to break even at 52 so he's not going to really move too much but he's coming off a score of 80 on the weekend and um, 610,000, I think people are looking at him as a duel going. As a front rower, he's starting to look good. And he's, he's come up to 9% of teams. He's now, after this week, officially not going to be a pot anymore. Off that 80 points, you know, I, I love Max King. I've said it all year. He's got nothing lower than a 52 in his seven games so far. And he's got an average score of almost 65 points a game. Absolutely love him. In saying that, Mikey. I think the team are looking at that 80 going, oh, geez, look at this upside. Look at this guy. He looks heaps better than a Joe Tarpani. I would not trade Tarpani to him. Uh, He doesn't play the big buy. And that 80, people need to know, is inflated because he got far more minutes than he normally does. Caraz only lasted 11 minutes. That threw out the Bulldogs rotation. They had other injuries as well they had to deal with. Tevita Penguai Jr. just came back as well much needed but he only played 47 minutes they're probably going to look at him as more of a 55 minute type of player I think so his minutes are going to probably be on the up as well Preston ended up off for a while as well uh, I just think that it was a really good week for him to get bulk minutes if you're buying him it's great it's solid it's a good purchase just have the right expectations with this one
1: yeah 100% he's He's been quite outstanding when you think of you know where he's come from to the kind of player he's now and yeah, he's definitely someone that, like, I don't like the tap and a trade to him, but if you were getting him in, he seems like someone pretty solid that can stay a pretty good keeper for the rest of the year and you could happily have him play in that second spot. And then if you want to pick up a third one, you could easily road change him, you know, depending on how, you know, his output. But, um, yeah, with all the possible guys we spoke about today, there's no way I could even consider grabbing someone like that unless you were really desperate in that front row position.
0: Yeah, Udo Kamaru to him is a really good trade. Tapani to him is not a good not Bad a good charge. trade. Um, and, yeah, I would target the high upside guys because Max King's price isn't going to go anywhere. So, I mean, the Garrick's, the Manus, the Madisons, it's, I just think they're probably a lot better purchases at the moment, even though I love Max King. Junior Tupo, number eight. I was looking at it because I looked at him a week ago when he had that massive score. Um, he's got a minus 24 break even. He. In round six, scored 111 points before going on the bye. He's actually been really solid this year. He's gone 39, 45, and 47 before he went off with that 111. And he's done it with pretty good base, which I think would have gone unnoticed because people aren't going to look at the the Tigers. But his base has actually been pretty solid with his base attack. So 25 raw base for a winger on a Tiger side that gets absolutely creamed every week at the moment. His base attack's 28 so he's actually hitting low 50s in his base pace attack, which is really nice. Uh, and obviously, he hasn't been scoring tries when he's had that 39, 45, and 47. He scored one try against Parramatta in round six, and it was 111 points. Granted, he had you know, some other attacking stats. So coming off the round seven bye, he's now coming into Manly, Penrith, uh, Dragons, Souths, and the Cowboys before not playing in that big bye round around round 13. I understand it in a minus 24 break, even people looking at him. Uh, the thing that turned me off, and I, that'll probably, you know, be my opinion on it, is that I really looked at it because anyone that scores 111 points, you think, oh, they're probably not that expensive. And I looked at it and went, oh, 436000 That's now going to be too expensive because he's now just gone up a heap of cash. He went from 358000 in round five to 436000 Now, Mikey, if it was 358000 still and didn't have that 111 game, Puppy mark. 358 looks a lot more palatable. I'd actually pay 70k more for him over, say, Jared Croker, but I can't pay 436 for him, especially when you consider it's the Tigers and they've got a couple of hard weeks at the moment. So, minus 24 break even just isn't enough for me to go there at that price point. But, how are you feeling about Junior Tupo?
1: Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah, he he looks he looks quite good, and um, you know what I mean. It's the kind of team at the moment where if you play really well, you're going to stay in that side. So it makes some of these players want want to do that. But yeah, I, I could if you were a genius and got him in three fifty eight k, like you'd be absolutely cheering. And you could if he played the round thirteen by, you might be a little bit more tempted to take the punt. But yeah, aside of that, the team Dewey's now out for the season. He's injured um is this going to play on them how are they going to go it's just there's too much rest realistically I don't own a single Tigers player and I'm not losing any sleep over not owning any Tigers player so I prefer to keep it that way at the time being
0: I prefer to keep it that way too so I'm not going there Nico Hines we're not going to talk about all you late comers you're going to end up paying $80,000 more 982,000 wow big investment for those 1.8% bringing him in 1.8% 1.8% are also bringing in Will Pennessini to finish off MarketWatch. Uh, I quite liked Will Penicini a bit. I have to give a shout-out to Catfish because I liked him already. I have to say that, but Catfish really, really pushed his case forward on him um, because Will's had some good stats. He ended up only having one game that hasn't been 55-plus, and that was 38 points still. Raw base of 37, which is fantastic, and the base-base attack is 51 points per game at the moment, he only scored three tries this year out of his seven games so far, 66 average. Doing real well, Will. Uh, one of the things that I don't like about him, until last week, that is, he doesn't have a lot of big scores in him. But last week, he threw up a 98. That's his career high. He's actually never gone 100 plus. Maybe that means he's on the way up. Maybe he's going to start to really rattle off some big ones. Um, obviously, a young fellow getting better. Does have that good draw at the moment over the next month in particular and does play the big buy round around 13. So, Mikey, he was someone that I had on my long list of players for the big buy round in round 13. I can't possibly buy him over the Manus and the Garricks and stuff, though. They're, they're too similar in price point for me not to make those trades happen. But I do think Penasini has gone uh, better than expected and a bit under the radar still.
1: Oh well, 100%, yeah. there's it's Just when you look at it and you you float up Manu, who doesn't play the buy, and then Garrick who does you just look at their ceilings and they have the proven ceilings. So that's obviously why you want to go those ways. And then you're checking goal kicking for Gareth, but yeah, like I don't know if I personally could pay 600 K for him, but we all say we love it. I'm I'm one of those players that likes the base, that center wing, and he is showing that. And I do believe, you know, the Eels have started a bit slow and they're going to get better and better. And I still see them up there at the end of the year, whether, you know, all the haters think they they won't be, but I think they will be. So there's, there's room to go there for Will Penasini. And look, if you've got the balls to to make this trade, then I think it could work out well for you because unlike some of these other players you mentioned, he will cover 13, 16, 19, obviously pending suspensions and injuries. So, yeah, I, I quite like the the small amount of people that are bringing him in. I, I, I wouldn't steer you off it. Go for it.
0: Just remember, um, I concur with everything Mikey said. But just remember if you've got Dylan Brown and Madison in your side for instance, already or you're going to have uh and even if you have other guys like you're gonna carry a cart ride or a hopgood or whatever to that buy uh the eels have that buy in round fourteen um so you you know if Penaceini's there with three or four other guys you might want to consider not getting Pennicini because you don't want too many eels um, or unless you're going to go for that strategy of using a boost again in round 14. Um, just plan out that a little bit because Penasini is a great buy but if he's going to cost you round 14 big time because you've got all these other big big gun eels then that's going to be an issue for you. Uh, let's move along. Machine gun TLT, Mikey. This is where we go real quick through TLT. We don't talk too much about each matchup, just one or two minutes briefly, mainly focusing on one big play or or the CVC more importantly and what we think is going to happen. So, Rabbits and Panthers is the first game. Uh, Look, we've already spoken about Luttrell and and Cody Walker just carving up the last couple of weeks. Luttrell's gone back-to-back weeks with 100+. plus. This is a big test, though, because they're playing the Panthers... Do you, it's the first game though so you know it's worked out pretty well for looping Luttrell. Uh two weeks ago he went 140s and it was a really easy loop do you just show out that we know that it's the Panthers and go look this is a this is a Thursday game it's going to be super easy to loop and he's on fire at the moment and we look at a VC on Latrell Mitchell or do you just think that it's too hard to match up against the Panthers
1: he seems to go pretty well against harder matchups, but there's the reason why I wouldn't consider it with how well he's going is this round, have a look at it. There are so many players. Like, if you're not going to captain Hines, you need to put the VC on Hines. So there's too much potential there with the matchups to to even even if I had Luttrell to consider putting it on him. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be putting it on him. But, um, yeah, I do think he could still score well against the Panthers and they they definitely can upset him.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's it's the reason why you wouldn't put the VC on Nathan Cleary as well, right? Like Nathan Cleary. Correct, um, yeah. I don't think you can. No. Take
1: a big set of balls. Obviously, a lot of people will. uh, But, yeah, I I personally don't think you can this week.
0: I I think that this game is going to be an absolute cracker. I'm really looking forward to it. I also think that uh, it's going to be interesting, too, for the Zach Hosking owners um, have done well. Luke Garner's in Jersey 18, which is a bit scary. Um, I, it's good that it's the first game, though, because you've got to know an hour before kickoff whether there's going to be any late changes or anything. So that's that's going to be positive. And Liam Martin's obviously still um, out again now, so that's um, giving some breathing room. But I think that the Panthers are going to get over the top of the rabbits in this one. I think it's going to be on the back of the Ford pack because obviously there's a few Fords out, Colin and also uh, Totola. That's two really big outs for South Ford pack, and I, I think they're going to get into a bit of trouble out wide as well. Friday, Eels-Brisbane. Mate, this one's got a lot happening in it. Um, obviously, Reece Walsh, people have been riding him, and he's actually been a really good captaincy option. All 80s, 90s, and 100s. Coming up against the Eels, it's at TIO Stadium. How do we feel about the Reese Walsh VC if you're a Walsh and Latrell owner, which a lot of people are? Because that looks a lot more appealing to me, actually, because I think even though the Eels are traveling pretty well, we've seen them give up um, quite a few points still. So it's like you said, it's one of those rounds where there's just so many options. And this is another one. Like Latrell plays early. Reese Walsh plays the next the next game.
1: Yeah, definitely could work out. But if the Eels show up for this one, like, have a look at Walsh been scoring these abundance of points against what you would call sometimes weaker sides in this small amount of time. And that's what also would scare me with still so many more options. So something I wouldn't consider. But, yeah, he's been going awesome. Like, have a look at his past scores. So he's definitely one to consider, and I'm very interested to see how he's going to go against a tougher matchup to kind of work out uh, if I want to continue to hold him.
0: Yeah, how do you see this one going? Oh, I'm I'm actually liking the Eels in this one to continue on. I, I think yeah. that the Broncos have dropped off a little bit of late.
1: Yeah, I'm tipping the Parramatta in this one for an upset. Uh, or you need to tip an upset every round, I believe, and I do believe this will be a close one, but I've got Parramatta just winning this one.
0: For the draft players out there, Corey Oates is back, so make sure that you um, check your waiver wise because if Corey Oates is available, he's going to be a pretty, pretty good pickup for you as well. Canterbury Bulldogs, Cronulla Sharks. Uh, obviously, the dogs have been decimated with injuries this season. Declan Casey comes in. He's fullback only. That's really annoying because I think you know, for me, Mikey, I was hoping Jaden Ockenball might get a go at 280k, and he might be a goer uh, as a downgrade option. The other one that everybody was waiting on is Skelton. Skelton's in the uh, jersey 22. He's killing it in reserve grade basically averaging a try and a line break every game, along with half a dozen tackle breaks. He's going really well, but he's in Jersey 22. So Casey's not going to be an option for us, unfortunately. Uh, I think obviously there's not going to be any VC or C options on the dog side, but are they decimated enough for the Sharks to go there and put on a cricket score? Because... Hines is there, and, you know, as a a mid-round game, there's no way, like you said, that you should have the VC or the C off Hines. And if you don't own Hines, I know he's, like, close to a million dollars, I would be bypassing Garrick and Manu or one of them to make sure that you get Hines in this week because you just – he scored 89 last week and he did it so easily. You just – and that was against the Roosters. I just think you can't go, go through it this week, can you? You can't watch him against the Bulldogs this week without owning him
1: you can't have a look at that 1 to 5 and think of what he could possibly do. Declan Casey had a game where he played uh wing and he had a, a night to forget and if that continues again, oh, Mortalisan hit form. is going to be running at Casey like uh and hind is just going to be the puppet master and have everything all over it. So, um yeah, look the Bulldogs might show a bit of courage here as they are starting to get a little bit of men back in their forward pack, but uh, that Sharks team's looking pretty juicy and they've got a very good forward pack where I think um, they're going to be too much for the dogs to handle and it'll be a 13 plus to Grinnell.
0: Yeah, I think that Hines is guaranteed a 90 plus and I'd be very surprised if he if he um, doesn't go for a, a decent ton of the 115, 120 plus mark.
1: Could potentially hit 200 realistically. Like there, there is every case you can and that's why there's no way in the world I wouldn't have something on him.
0: Yep, 100%. I um, mean, you need to remember too. It's it's really good to point out with your three round that this is a Saturday game and it's mid round. It's like the fourth game, but we've got two games that aren't going to be until the Tuesday, so you're gonna have a lot of time to to work out your loops and stuff and and a lot of options as well, um, because you've got those two games happening on the Tuesday. There's not as many on the weekend. Going down the list as well, I will just mention on this Sharks backline uh, before we had Manu. Coming on into the fray, uh, my other second trade was going to be potentially Sione Katoa. Uh, Katoa's gone it's under coming. 500k. Uh, the Sharks back line, you know, Roddy Milatalo has been going great as well, but he's closer to 700k, so it's just too much. But I, I've been eyeing off this Sharks' back line because I think some of these guys, if they get cheap enough, could be real options. And wouldn't, I'm going to be betting on Catoa to score at least one try if not a double this week because I reckon he, he could fire. And the, both wingers, Braden Burns and Declan Casey, you know, they could both be trouble, mate.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, Catoa's at a nice price. And I think if you wanted to kind of downgrade, he's a good downgrade from Karaz uh, if, you're not too, if you're doing well for buyers. So I was, I was considering the same thing till I thought about Garrick and Manu. Great purchase this week. They've got a really nice run leading up to their buy. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely. Cowboys and Knights. Um, so this one, I think the big news really is Tom Alolo is out for four to six weeks, knee surgery. Um, there isn't really any winners though, which has been annoying. Like Ruben Cottle was on the bench last week. Now he's starting at 13. The, the gods get sustained jersey number 11, but not really much change. It's going to benefit super coaches. On the night side, the big news though is that whilst we have a big name in Tomalala gone for this matchup, we've got Carlin Palmer back and, you know, just over 500k. Does he make the origin side? Does he play the big boy? Does he manage to stay on the park? Uh, I'm going to be watching pretty intently because there's not really anyone that I'd be comfortable V-seeing or seeing in this one. So it's a bit moot for Supercoach, but there is a couple of watchers that could be keen buys in the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, 100%. And the Cowboys also do play that first buy. So who knows? Like, I know Gacheski at the moment doesn't offer too much, but he is cheap. So if he manages to land a spot and get some attacking stats, and maybe he could potentially be an option. So, so I agree with you there. I think they're both teams to watch a little bit. And yeah, the Kalen Ponga chat's going to be interesting because that'll have ramifications for people like Reese Walsh, too. So uh, interesting times.
0: Uh, Lockie Miller um, purchases as well. You know, if you've already got. Yeah, you know, maybe you held Garrick and you're you're getting Manu and Miller, or you don't want Manu and you're looking at Miller. It'd be interesting to see who does the goal kicking too. I, I don't think the Ponga will get it back, but
1: well, I reckon he will. I personally Miller hasn't been kicking that well, so I reckon they might switch it back to Ponga. Like he only did have a head injury; it's not a, a leg injury. So that's just me going off a whim here, but. Uh...
0: Mm. Oh, uh, they may very well. Yeah, and, and like that that swing's got a bit of value from Lachlan Miller because the Knights have been scoring some points lately. So he's been benefiting from that quite a bit. So, um, yeah, very interesting there. Um, I actually think that this is going to be a super competitive game, but I think the Cowboys are going to be pretty desperate. So I'm going to tip them just marginally. But I, I was really surprised. I knew the Cowboys were going badly this year, and I was sort of thinking they would, but they're second last on the table. So, I mean, uh, up at country bank stadium surely this is one where they can actually get a win
1: yeah that's what i was thinking too but i've tipped knights as an upset because i just look at the team that they're starting to put together and i like it and i think Ponga will complement them and i enjoy that they put tyson gamble on that utility and switch man to lock so they've got a lot of different switches they can do there and they've got this forward pack but they've also got this back line that can score quite a bit of points and when I first was looking at the Knights coming into it, I didn't really see them as you know a team that are going to get these this many wins. And yeah, I reckon they, they can definitely upset the Cowboys, who kind of uh, given the outcome of what I thought they were going to do last year. So I think this would be a very good game to watch. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. It's very very close. With who you tip here,
0: yeah, I don't think I'll be betting on it. That's for sure. Um, the, no, no, no. A bit of a similar one to Sione Katoa, the Sharks, is Murray Talani. He's going to play that big buy round though in round 13 and he has played origin, but maybe he doesn't get a spot in game one. And he scored 73 on the weekend uh, with one try and he actually had a second try disallowed, which would have got into a ton. And he's only at 510,000 at the moment playing Newcastle up there. They do have the Sharks and the the Roosters the next two weeks away after that, which are going to be pretty hard travel for the, the Townsville side, but after that, round 11 onwards, running into that round 13 big buy, they have the Dragons at home and then the Tigers away and then Power away, but it's going to be during Origin where they're going to have a few out potentially. So a uh, it, it, bit of an interesting one just because of the price point and yet you can downgrade to him and try and go on a bit of a run with Talangi. Dolphins and Titans. Dolphins are doing really well, Mikey. I really want to give more props by talking about their super coach options, but I just feel like... We're waiting for the bottom to fall out. And it's also just one of those things where if it doesn't, they keep getting wins. It's such a good team effort. So I apologize to Dolphins fans, but I just I can't possibly captain or vice captain any of them. Uh, it, have you looked at any of these Dolphin games and gone, Oh look, I could I could see or VC one of them?
1: No, no, no chance. But you kind of look at some of them and you go, Hey, these guys present a bit of value where well, I wouldn't mind owning them. So they're definitely interesting to look at and sometimes I think they're Doing well in NRL level and that might not translate to super coach for as many as what you would think.
0: Yeah, I'll give a pod shout out on the Dolphin side um, for Jeremy Marshall King. He's averaging 67 points at the moment. And look, he. when I said I don't want to get rid of Grant, if I was going to and focus on that big buy in round 13, he would be someone that I would look at. The problem is that he's gone too well. Uh, and I made the comment in a couple of chats that that would probably be on if you're going to free up 200K plus to Use somewhere else, but Jeremy Marshall King's got to 616,000 at the moment. One percent owned, uh, he's gone 89, 33, 53, 89, and 72. Raw base of 45, base base attack of 52. And he's obviously got this, the try scoring ability going over on the weekend. He, he looks really good going to a Titans matchup, followed by the Raiders. Um, and then obviously playing that big buy round against the Dragons, it's just going to be great he's just too expensive. So, you know, it deserves a shout out. Wish he was a hundred K less moving along um, on the Titans team sheet. Uh, I have to say that I've, I actually captained for uh, feeder a couple of weeks ago for his 76, which was pretty solid. It was just that so clear he got 158. Uh, so that sort of killed me, but for has been on a bit of a tear. And I think if it was a different week, Mikey, I could talk myself into a captain for feeder here. The last three weeks, he's gone 80, 82, 76 and 96, no tries. He's now gone his longest streak in his career without a try scored, playing against the Dolphins, obviously away but still in Queensland. So I, I've said the last couple of weeks he's getting close to a try. 82, 76 and 96 without one, he's going to turn up if he gets a try. If it was another week without a, a, a Nico Hines playing the Bulldogs, he could actually be a really good captaincy option this week that nobody's going to
1: do. Yeah. Looking at this matchup too, like uh, this round has a lot of good games that I think like this is, could be another one. Like, you know, first time they're versing each other kind of, you know, still local teams in the gold coast and uh, where the dolphins are. So um, yeah, I'm I'm death riding for feet every week. I don't own him. I've invested my money in a lot of other positions and not owning him has been a killer. And yeah, he, he could be a sneaky captain option yet again, one I probably wouldn't do if I owned him, but just just having him, in fact, like you, the, the tries are going to come for sure. And he's been, you know, the two main guys I see in the second row that you're going to want to have at some point is you're going to need to have him and Madison. So they've been so steady and consistent. And um, it's surprising for Feder because a lot last year there were those games where he wasn't scoring tries, he was scoring 60, and that's why I kind of stayed away from him. So, um, yeah, good shout, Barnsley.
0: Uh, I'm not going to bet on this game at all. I'm not going to tip on that game at all. I do not know what's going to happen. But this next one, I do. The Tigers versus Manly. Tip Manly, bet on Manly. It's all Manly. Tigers are going to have a debutant at fullback with Buller. Uh, That's good that they're going to blood some of these young kids because he's got pretty big wraps on him and I don't think they've been doing too well in the spine. Wakeham comes in at six with the unfortunate news about Adam Dewey. It's a Tigers side that does have their back line just has so much wrong with it and so much that the Seagulls could carve up. We talked about all the captaincy advice, captaincy options. I feel like I want to put it on like six different players. Tom Travojevic against this West Tigers side, like forget about wanting to own Ruben Garrick. Turbo was getting sold a couple of weeks ago, Mikey, and I just thought it was crazy. And one of the reasons why was because of this matchup as well. Uh, He could absolutely kill... Um, the Tigers this week. I know he's been a bit lame. I know he had that hip-pointer injury. He scored 131 as a career high against the Tigers before, and it just feels like that he could actually eclipse that because at the start of the season, I think people forget that his first couple of games, he got 97-103, but he did it really easily, Um, and it just looked like he was so close to getting that 121-130 game. Last two weeks, 57-26, but it's against Penrith and also Melbourne, and he was injured for one of those games like he's also scored two two weeks in a row. And if he scores against the Tigers with everything else that he could do, it, it looks like an easy ton to me. So he is the only reason that I'm not just throwing the C straight on Hines because I'm too scared of a Tom Tavoy 150.
1: Yeah, I, I got to agree with you there. It's the main reason why I'm VCing, but at this stage, I'm thinking a little bit crazy this round. And sometimes I like to go, and I, I really think um, Garrick could be the even better play. So at this stage, I've actually got the armband on him. Uh, one of I, I feel like I'll, sometimes I get carried away and like the captain a guy I'm bringing in. But realistically, when Tom goes bananas, so does Garrick. And if we think they're going to go as nuts as what they are, then he's got all the goal-kicking capabilities. And uh, this injury that Tom's had with the kneeling up and that kind of worries me a little bit. I still think he could go crazy. But that's maybe the reason that I may choose Garrick instead of Turbo purely because he's got those goals and he could score a double or a hat trick. And, you know, the times he does score a hat trick, he scores 150 plus and against the Tigers the past three times he's versed them. He's gone, yeah, as I said earlier, 121, 113, 105. So I definitely think a captain in this game is, is, could be one of the plays.
0: Yeah, it's a good point that you raise it um, with that injury too, though, because the other thing too is that even when he wasn't injured, he actually got subbed off, and that was early in the season. And he ended up coming back on because the Bulldogs actually came back a little bit, and they and they also copped an injury. But the, the idea was that he wasn't going to play the last 20 minutes of the Bulldogs game. So there was obviously a plan from Seabold that if they're up a bit, he's going to come off the field. So if this one ends up, you know, 30-0 at half time. You might only see Turbo for 15 or 20 minutes in the second half, especially when he's carrying that injury as well. So, you know, it's it's not that crazy a shout to say maybe Garrick's a better option. I'm just too scared of Turbo's upside, but, you know, there is a chance that that actually works out if you went Garrick. Let's move along to get to our Tuesday games. The Roosters and the Dragons. There obviously isn't a lot happening on the Dragons side of things, but on the Roosters' side, they're starting to get their full team back, like you said, but the big news was that they dropped Sam Walker. I was super surprised that they did that. I don't think that it's going to take very long for him to get back in the side. But on the good news, they do have uh, Angus Crichton returning. They do have Satili Tupanua returning. Angus Crichton slots straight back in as a starter. He's going to be a huge watch the next few weeks if he decides not to put his hand up for origin or doesn't get picked. Uh, and Paul Momorowski is in centre, which which really helps the Roosters because Hutchison, as, as great a guy and player and clubman as he is, is not a good centre. So I look at this Roosters side and, you know, the other guy aside from Katoa that I was looking at before all this Manu news was like, I said, oh, I might want to get a Daniel Tupo for a double this week um, and try and get him in reasonably cheap as a downgrade. Can't do that now. But the other one that I've been talking to people about is James Desco. He's only just over 600,000 now. He's in pod territory at just sub 10%. Uh, you don't normally get that. And, yep, his base is down. Yep, his running is down. But at the same time, he's not going to average 50 for the year, Mikey. He's going to have some big games. Playing St. George Illawarra, Halehout Stadium with his team around him. I can't possibly captain him in the form that he's been in, but it, it does look like that Teddy could finally get his 100-point game here. Well,
1: I, I definitely think there's a world where you can. And I know, uh, you know, Sav's real well, and he's he's actually bringing Tedesco in this week, and he's excellent at the fullback roulette. Um, and I think it's quite a crazy strategy, but it seems to work so much for him. Um, and, yeah, he's he's bringing him in this year, and I think he's a great buy this week. Like, he's at 600K. Like, that's that's a bargain for Tedesco, and all the reasons I promoted for Joey Manu earlier, you know, you could say the same with Tedesco with this forward pack, and um, that 100 games come, and there's been so many tries he's almost scored. So, yeah, you take some balls to captain him. Um, but I also flipped the coin and, you know, there is a world where you could put all your eggs in one basket and you could also captain Joey Manu. So this is another game where kind of I had a little look at the armband. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be such an interesting round. And I think this is a round where your captain option can help you make the jump that you've been looking to jump. So that's if Nico Hines doesn't go bananas, then you're going to have to loop and all that plan goes out the window. So um. yeah, it's going to be tough. Can
0: you know, I just say talking crazy at the end of this podcast? I'll talk crazy. I would get, like, I've seen teams that uh, only have one fullback at the moment and they're getting Joey Manu in. I would get Tedesco over Manu. Uh, yeah. I think it's looking great. incredibly short-term to look at it the other way because, you know, Manu could be back at centre next week. Tedesco is going to be at full back, He hasn't hit his strap shit. You're getting him at 600K. You're actually getting him less than Manu around the same price and you're going to have him at possibly less ownership probably as well. Teddy is a fantastic trading this week. You know, it's I'm surprised at how many people are just thinking, are just writing him off. Like he's got top few scores ever. One of them's against the dragons and it was 182 points. You know, he it wouldn't surprise me. Like, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, Mikey, but it wouldn't surprise me if he threw up a 140-point game and just reminded everyone that he can still do it because it, it, he's got it in him. It's a perfect matchup. It's the perfect perfect storyline that we know rugby league gives us. It's the perfect one that Supercoach gives us too where it says you know 30% of the Supercoach universe all sold him and now he comes out with his massive score a couple of weeks later.
1: Two hundred and thirty-two k discount, and only in ten percent of teams, uh, it's it's the pod play that I don't think a lot of people are thinking, and could be the pod play of the round. So uh, yeah, the, there's a world like Origins coming up, but everyone has to have this guy on his radar. And you might think he's done, but I think he, yeah, I, I think it'd be crazy to think that you're gonna have to bring him in at some point. Six hundred k—that's that's ridiculous. <laughs>
0: Storm Warriors is the last one. Uh, Nick Meany comes back, which will help out the Storm. Uh, I think sit-start, we haven't mentioned too much, but William Warbrick's come up as, you know, do you start a Warbrick? Because Melbourne Storm playing in Amy Park, the Warriors have had some shaky defence two out of the last three weeks. They've given up 30-plus points. Is Warbrick a starter? I'm not going to do it. I can see the merit in him being your fourth centre wing, though. Um, But more importantly, this is the last game of the round, Mikey, where... You've got Cameron Munster there, um, a massive pod option in Harry Grant being there, but it's why I wouldn't sell Harry Grant too. I think that he could go really well this week. Is someone like a Cameron Munster someone that you uh, look at a massive pod captaincy option in this one, playing the that game against the Warriors in the last game of the round, so a real easy C option at the very end to give you a bit of a kick? I don't think so, but what I will say is if you're a head-to-head player, um, if you're chasing He's a great one where you've got a, a game at the end of the round where you can actually throw it on him if you don't own Tedesco and just do it like a Hail Mary. And, and that's going to be the option in this one.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like just to throw another option, like we spoke about so many options with the RBN this week. And I could see where a world where it works. But yeah, as we previously mentioned, um, if we ranked him, he probably wouldn't be in the top five for the C this week. Uh, he'd be just outside it, but definitely a world where it can work. And, on Warbrick as well, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm in an R and playing this week. I've got such a stacked centre wing now where he'd be my fifth centre wing I played, and it's him versus Ford, so it's interesting because you could go a guy like Ford who gets 40 in base, or you go Warbrick who can get a 10, but, you know, I think he could score a couple of tries on the edge this week. So it's very interesting because when he scores, he goes well, and when he doesn't, it's really bad. So he's another AKP almost. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, and I, I, last guy I'll mention in this matchup, Katoa. I tell you what, playing his old club that let him walk and go to Melbourne, that you know played him in reserve grade a lot of his last final years. I reckon that he is hungry for his first try of the season. He's a try scorer. He's had like hasn't half a dozen tries.
1: Unbelievable. Had one denied. I can't believe with these scores that he's popping up. That mm. he had a 176k profit. There has not been one try, not and, even and one. And he's
0: looked dangerous too. Like he's got those, he's got half a dozen line breaks. He's also got that one that you said, he got He got a really good try that he got disallowed where he had a three-line break game and one of them was, it resulted in a try and it got disallowed on a, a real small technicality of a shepherd or something. Um, it, It's round eight against the Warriors, real good chance this week. If you want to have a, a decent bet, it'll be about $3.80 to $4 at the moment. She can go on him for any time try. I reckon he's going to be real hungry for it at Amy Park. Did his first try against his old club? That is going to do it for the podcast, So, Mikey, thanks very much for jumping on from your Super Coach Experience duties. Uh, your your boys' podcast is fantastic as well. Everyone should give the Super Coach Experience show a go. They are fantastic. And they've got so many hosts on that one. You, you get so many different flavours as well. You've only got me and some guests on this one, so... You know, Mikey, it's been a pleasure. It always is. We'll get you on again. And um, thanks very much for jumping on.
1: Yeah, thanks for the shout out. Thanks for having me back on. It was a good podcast. I guess always talking to you I get enlightened and other things that I can do. And um, yeah, you know, it's going to be good to, to jump back on and good luck for this week. It's going to be a big one.
0: Thanks, mate. Good luck to you too, and good luck to everyone listening. You can download us, stream us, and subscribe to us pretty much everywhere, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Amazon. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars, and also make sure that you listen to the Talk and Footy podcast at the end of each week if you like your rugby league as well. That'll be hitting towards the end of the week. But until then, or until next week, if you're only a supercoacher, Good luck with the round. Enjoy watching the footy. Good luck with your decisions in coach. Can't wait to chat about a big round of footy next week again. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. All that fitness is gold. Only shooting stars break love.